Good morning, church. Today's reading, scripture reading, is taken from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. And I will be reading from the King's James Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the world was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld this glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we receive, and grace for grace. For the law that was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Amen. This is the word of God. We welcome you today to Weston Park for our third Sunday of Advent. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark and particularly the story of John the Baptist. Today we're going to switch to the Gospel of John and look at the prologue of John, verses 1 to 18, chapter 1. And John also speaks of John the Baptist, so we'll have a similarity there, his take on that story. Um, the Gospel of John, very important in the development of Christian theology over the years, so um, it'd be good for us to hear from the evangelist and what he's got to say in this season of Advent, the season of preparation where we wait and we expect and we are listening for God's voice. That's what Advent is always about. It's a call for us to be present in the moment to hear God's voice every Advent, every year. There's four or five weeks given to us to reflect. That's the invitation from the liturgical calendar. So if we take advantage of that, that can be very helpful to us. 
So a time of waiting, a time of trusting, leaning on God. So the Gospel of John. And to help us here, we're simply going to look at three ideas from uh, this prologue, three words that we can keep in mind as we go through the word life. We see that in verse four emphasized, the word light in verses six to nine, and then love. The word actually love is not there, but the idea is verses 14 to 18, and John certainly uses the word love, uh, specifically of God's love as we go through the gospel. So life, light, and love. So we begin then with this first uh, idea, the life that we have in Jesus Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. John introduces the idea of life through the word logos, and it, which simply means word. So it's a very simple idea in the Greek, just talking about a thing, actually, a word, an idea, something that exists. But it became a very important philosophical word, an important word for John, where the word, the logos, is associated with the Messiah and his work in our world. And so even as it be begins, in the beginning was the word, you can hear the overtones of going back to Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, let there be light. And so the idea of the word, God's word being spoken, the logos, the divine spark, perhaps the divine spark that brought our creation into existence, boom. That word was spoken, the logos was spoken and John develops the ideas behind that Logos. So we see, just as way of background, verse one, that the word or the Logos is preexistent. The Logos was with God in the very beginning. Verse three, the Logos is the agent of creation. All of creation comes through the Logos. And then in verse four, the Logos is the sustainer of life. And, Logos, and life is Zoe. And we've talked about that before in other contexts. Zoe is abundant life. And so John talks a lot about Zoe all the way through the gospel. And this Zoe is associated with the Logos that comes and brings life, light and love to our world. So the Logos, the life. Jesus says in a variety of places this statement, for example, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Life is Zoe there. Jesus' statement to Martha, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. The resurrection and the life, Zoe. And then a statement we looked at in the seven statements from Christ and the upper room discourse and before that, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And these are just a few examples of how life is reiterated and how important they are in the Gospel of John. So the Logos that was from the very beginning comes to be life for us. 
Logos is what gives the spark of life to our entire planet. So right now, for example, there's all kinds of investigations going in on the Goss in the planet, sorry, of Mars. Lots of pictures. We have lots of instruments actually up in Mars, rovers and so on. And all of these pictures show Mars is just a dry, as far as we know, dead world. Certainly not a whole lot of life going on, if there's any. That's a planet with no life. But here on Earth, we have this incredible life variations, a myriad of diversity, biodiversity in every way, this life comes from the Logos. And it is communicated to you and to me. And so Advent is clearly about life. A baby is born in Bethlehem. The Logos breaks into our world and communicates and is this gift of life to you and to me. So God breaks into our world in Jesus. And so as we saw last week, the Advent is about the gospel, the good news, and the good news is about life. And so for you and for me in our situation right now, whatever that might be, wherever you are, buildings on Weston Road, living in other parts of the city, living in other cities altogether, you and your situations, you and your challenges, Advent is about life, zoe, that is the gift for you and for me, and we are invited to receive that and to know that life. So we have that particularly in verse 4. It's, it's worth just meditating on how that life comes to you, to me. How do we experience that life on a day-to-day? -day? The good news is about life. The gospel is about life. That's where John begins. And then from there, from life, he then goes to this idea of light. And here we have the story where John's reference to John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. The Greek word for light is phos. And the verb is just phostidzo. It's just the same idea. Bring light, light, phosphorescent. It's interesting, you know, when you do, in, in the diving world at times, if you do a night dive and you sit on the end of the boat and you just move your fins, You'll get all kinds of phosphorescence light happening just all around your fins. All these little creatures in the water that shine and create light just as you move your fins. Light in darkness. And we're told here that Jesus is the light. So it begins with John the Baptist, the evangelist. He tells the same story as the Gospel of Mark. And he comes to testify about the light in verse 7. Interesting also that in the history of Israel and the prophets, the prophets were often called lights. They were called lamps. So Elijah was a light. Isaiah was a light. Jeremiah was a light. And there has been no prophet in Israel for 400 years, and then all of a sudden John the Baptist comes, and he is a light. This one comes to give and bring the message of light. And he speaks to someone else because he is not ultimately that light, but he speaks to Christ 
who comes as the true light. We see that in verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. All this verb and word phos. John speaks to the light coming, and then Christ comes to be that light, to lighten up our world. Even as moving my fins, we see all that light starting to happen. Jesus comes to lighten up your life your world. And so the important piece here is how receptive are we to this light? We all have the same opportunity. Everyone here in Western Park Baptist Church or wherever church you're part of or not part of a church, we all have the same invitation to be receptive to the light of Christ who comes to enlighten every person. The evangelist writes, for all of us, we all are in the same situation. You have your circumstances, I have my circumstances, whatever they are, we all have the opportunity to receive the light, to receive the life. So then we have to pause, I think. We're invited to pause, Advent's about that. Pausing, recognizing who God is in Christ in receiving. So notice verse 12. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Wow, that's an amazing statement. To all who receive his light. John the evangelist says, you are given the opportunity and the gift of becoming children of God that ultimately we become like Christ, that we receive his gift of life into ourselves. We are his brothers, sisters. John says the children of God. And so Advent then is a time to recognize the good news, the life, and then also to be attentive, receptive to the light of Christ. And of course, that's, that's, that can be a challenge in our distractions, We've been looking at that. Rachel writing on the gods of her family, whatever the gods are that we have, the distractions that pull us away so we're not receptive. But the gift here is to be receptive to that light experience it, to say yes. A number of years ago, I was in a region of Bolivia called Toro Toro, and it's in the outback. It's a, it's a crazy wild area, and it's known for its caving. And so I went into these caves with a guide, actually with a guide and two children about the age of 12. So myself. So the guide, tough old Bolivian, two children who are as helpers, and me. And we descend into these caves, and we go all the way to the very bottom, and we just sit in the sand at the bottom of this cave. I mean, it's a series. It's, it's a labyrinth. If you get lost, you'd be, I'd be, you'd be gone. So we're sitting way at the bottom in the sand. And then he says, turn off your lights. So we turn off our lights, and it is so dark. It is so black. You cannot see anything, your hand, right in front of your eyes. Can't do it. <coughs> and then he says, turn on your lights. And then we turn on the lights, and then you see the whole cave lit up. It was pretty amazing experience. 
from darkness to light. Christ comes in the same way, the darkness of space, let's suggest, the blackness of space, the silence of space, the solitude of space. And Jesus comes to light it all up. And you and I are invited to be receptive to that light, to be receptive to the gospel, to be receptive to his light. And then, finally, we have the idea of love. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and lived among us. So here is the amazing story of the word Logos coming and taking on flesh, dwelling with us. The word dwelling is skenao, which means tenting with us. It's like you just are camping and you set up a tent and you go into that tent and now you are dwelling there. So the word comes, takes on flesh and tents with us. He enters into our human existence, which is an amazing story. That God comes and for the first time takes on flesh and lives with us as a human because he wants to identify with us in every possible circumstance. That's his love. He comes to be like you and me, to know our human experience from beginning to end. That's birth to death. The Logos comes to us in that way. And then you notice in verse 17, it's the first time that the name of Jesus finally is used. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Finally, the Logos is identified as Jesus. So the word becomes human. And he does so to identify with you and with me. And not only to identify with us, does that, in your suffering, in your pain, Jesus comes to experience the same type of pain, suffering. Think of him on the cross, physical suffering. He knew all about it, more than you and I. But not only to identify, he comes to affirm us, that we might be affirmed in our reality. Henry Nouwen says, we will never really know God as a compassionate God if we do not understand with our heart and mind that he lived among us, that he dwelled among us, that he tented among us. We won't know God until we receive that truth into our hearts, that he's in your life and my life, identifying with us and affirming us in our reality. It's saying to you and to me that this is a message of love and that we are important, that we belong to God. So for example, John 17, I made your name known, Jesus says to them, speaking to the Father, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. His love for us. The Gospel of John is about God's love for you and for me. He identifies with us and he affirms us in our reality. So it's an invitation and a truth that says that we are important. It speaks to your self-worth and to my self-worth. It reminds us that we belong to God. This love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. So much so that he sends his son to experience all that we've experienced and indeed to take upon himself 
all the sorrow and all the angst of the world on himself so that this gift of life and light and love might be given to you and to me. It's an amazing story, and that is the story of Advent. So it's God esteeming you and esteeming me, saying that you are important. No one else may think you're important. You yourself may not believe in your own importance. But God has created you. You are a gift. You have your own gifts and your own expression of the Godhead in your life. No one else is like you. You are important. I am important. We belong to God. That's the affirmation that Advent brings. And may I say that it, it speaks to us in every situation. If you go back to the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus speaking in Matthew 6, you remember the story where he's talking about, you know, hey, the, uh, the lilies of the field, look how beautiful they are. Look at the birds and hear the birds of the air. All the birds, the different sounds. God takes care of the birds of the air. He takes care of the lilies of the field. What's he saying there? He's saying in that very example that God is with you in the very reality that you have right now. That God is not just there in the big ideas, but God is there in the little ideas in your presence. Not just in the great bigness of space, but in the interior world, the tiny world. God is just as much there. And so your life is important. The details of your life are important. That's what Matthew is saying. If God clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the birds of the air, Jesus is saying, surely he will take care of you in all the details of your life, all the choices that you've got to make. Is, is Jesus there? Does he care about that? Well, he seems to be suggesting he does. Of course, we have to respond in faith to that. But that's the invitation of love. So, hospital appointments that may be coming up, financial choices that you may have to make, decisions on where you might live, where your kids may go to school, how to handle this pandemic, all, all of that. Is God concerned about that? Or is that just too small? Jesus is saying he's concerned, man. He's right there with you in the midst of all of that. So come and give it to him. Story of life, story of light, story of love. God comes in Christ. This is his body language. The body language of God is Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, we see God enacted in our world. Breaking into our world as a little baby. Wow. Our fragility, our weakness, this is God with us, his body language. And then as we saw last week that John the Baptist was called to be a forerunner and there's a sense in which we are all forerunners of Christ. Like Coretto, he says here, we evangelize with our lives before we do so with our words. So before you or I ever speak a word, our life is communicating something, even as Jesus did. So we have a job, we have a service to provide. Your life is important, and it all happens by reflecting Jesus. The source of life isn't from us. We are like the moon, we reflect the sun's radiance, and we reflect Jesus' radiance. 
We reflect his light. And as we do that, the gospel story continues. And I pray that the gospel story will continue for us, Weston Park Baptist Church, through this Advent 2020, into the new year, that we might be that life and light and love to others. We might bring a smile to others, that they might know the beatitude of knowing Jesus, the blessedness of knowing Jesus, the happiness of knowing Jesus. And I offer these words to you this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen.